It was a warm Saturday afternoon in September 1938. Recently home from the hospital with her newborn daughter, Helen Gahagan Douglas was resting in her light-filled Hollywood Hills bedroom. She could barely hear the din of conversation taking place outside her open windows. Her husband, Melvin, had volunteered their spacious poolside terrace for a fundraiser. Propped up in a sea of pillows, she had a view of the city and the Pacific Ocean. Suddenly, someone burst into the bedroom. Helen, you really must come and listen to what they are saying. My God, those poor migrant children are suffering from pellagra. They're starving. Helen rose from her bed, dressed, and moved toward the back of the gathering to listen. Three years earlier, the biggest dust storm in the history of the U.S. blanketed five states, the Dust Bowl winds lifting millions of acres of topsoil and creating black blizzards that reached as far east as New York. Blamed on rapacious, profit-driven farming, the ecological disaster left untold thousands homeless, depopulated entire communities, and launched the unprecedented influx of migrant families into California. Tractored out by landowners switching to modern machinery, or driven out by untillable dirt, they packed their belongings into jalopies and headed west, looking for work. An estimated 6,000 of these Okies were pouring into California every month. Like a swarm of invading locusts, wrote Mildred Adams, migrants crept in over all the roads. For wings, they had rattletrap automobiles, their fenders tied with string, and curtains flapping in the breeze, loaded with babies, bedding, bundles, a tin tub tied on behind, a bicycle or a baby carriage balanced precariously on the top. Often they came with no funds and no prospects. Apparently trusting that heaven would provide for them, they camped on the outskirts of town, and their camps became new suburbs. Confined to filthy camps, thousands of starving families were herded about like animals, living without toilets or showers, while local officials and growers fought to keep the federal government from supplying the migrants with food and medical supplies, fearing that they would form permanent communities, join unions, and, most significant, interfere with the cheap Mexican laborers they were shuttling across the border and paying slave wages. Importing labor was far cheaper than establishing schools and health care clinics for American migrant workers, so the growers used every method possible, including force, to get the migrants to move on. Helen and Melvin had attended dinner parties at which the subject of the Okies was raised, and they were frequently appalled at the lack of compassion shown by many of their peers. They listened in astonishment to people making comfortable statements about how the situation was exaggerated, or that the migrants should stop being so lazy and dirty. There was an entrenched aversion to recognizing that a problem existed. But nothing had prepared her for the magnitude of suffering she learned about that day in her comfortable Hollywood Hills backyard. I could not know it then, and did not realize it until years later. But when I left my bed that afternoon, I took my first step into politics. The 38-year-old woman who rose from her sickbed that day 
had led a thoroughly apolitical East Coast life of privilege and fortune. The daughter of a millionaire engineer, wife of one of Hollywood's highest-paid leading men, a successful stage actress and opera singer known on two continents, and an heiress in her own right, Helen now shed her rarefied, insulated past. She would become instead a forceful advocate for America's oppressed and dispossessed, throwing herself into the cause with the same tenacity that had defined her previous two careers, and incurring the ire of powerful enemies and a legion of impassioned followers.